This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Mount Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Savor, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have a classic episode for you about bagels. Oh, yes. This was a fun one. This was a fun one. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It's from back in February of 2018. Um, uh, fe- February 9th is National Bagel Day. That's oh, hey. not why we did this episode, I don't think. Um, but because uh, it was after that that this published. But But we're like... We're like almost right on time right now. Almost right on time. That's our MO. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, Any particular reason you wanted to bring this one back? You know, um, no, no. Okay. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I was just looking, I was just looking through the calendar. I'd been kind of like waiting for a good time to publish it. Um, uh, And I felt like that, that time, that time was now. Uh, looking back, I think that when we recorded this, we were really right on the cusp of everything bagel seasoning being like ubiquitous. Yes, I think so. Cause I remember I was sort of new to it. Uh, a friend of mine raved about like Trader Joe's, not a sponsor, uh, Mm -hmm. version of it. Mm -hmm. And I was, it, it was something I was like, huh. And then now, yeah, it's pretty everywhere <laughs> yeah uh, which, which is great i love all the things that go into that so that's nice mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um uh also uh i do have to say that my speaking of everything bagels uh my my glee for that particular product was only intensified by the 2022 film everything everywhere all at once yes 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 um which I watched with my mom over the holidays, and she was Aww. such a good person to watch it with. Yeah. She loved it. She especially loved Jamie Lee Curtis in it. She was, oh, oh my gosh, it was so cute. <laughs> um, but they're, they're winning all the awards right now, and it's lovely to yes, see. Yes, it um, is. Yes, and 
I, uh, over on Stuff I Never Told You, we did an episode about this movie. And I believe the bagel was kind of, they were just using that name to describe it. And then eventually they're like, well, let's just keep that in. That's what it's going to be. The everything yeah. bagel. <laughs> no, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's also just just very funny and yes. and tender, like mm-hmm. like the, the the sheer pathos that um that Joy uh, uh, Jobu um uh, uh, Stephanie Sue um uh, puts into that 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 sucked into a bagel line is yes a thing wow. of beauty. It really is, and I love for any listener who hasn't seen this movie yet. First, go watch it. Second, I'm sure this sounds bizarre. It's honestly kind of a bizarre movie to explain, but uh, yeah, <laughs> very I lovely. Hate, <laughs> I would hate to try to explain it because because going in fresh, I think, is really really the best way to do it. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I I guess that. That on that note, <laughs> we <Yes>. shall uh, <laughs> we shall let former Annie and Lauren take it away. Hello, and welcome to Food Stuff. I'm Lauren Vogelbaum, and I'm Annie Reese. And uh, today we're talking about bagels. Yep. Which I have learned people in this office have very strong opinions about, including one Lauren Vogelbaum. Yes, yes. I okay, so so you know, like like disclosure, top of the show, I my um half of my family is is Jewish and they hail from in the United States anyway, uh, New Jersey. So mm. and and Brooklyn and, and those kind of neighborhoods. And so I have grown up with some opinions about bagels mm-hmm. passed down to me. Yes. From a long line of people with opinions about bagels. (laughs) It's like instead of a story being told generation to generation, it's a bagel preference thing. Bagel preference. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Will you share with us what it is later or now? Uh, we, we can, I think that you'll understand as we go through. I'll try. I don't Okay, wanna, you'll weave it in. I, I'll, I'll, I'll weave it in. If trying we, to be if, subtle. Yeah, yeah. If, if not, then I'll, then I'll tell you at the end. I don't want to scare anyone off right at the top. Yeah, don't be scared. It's, no, it's no, no, fun. no. No, it's, it's fun. And it's, and you know, just, just because the way that you eat bagels is wrong doesn't, <laughs> doesn't mean that you're wrong or that you're a bad person. It just means that you're eating not a bagel. Oh, <laughs> I remember the first time I had a bagel specifically. Um, it was... March 17th, <laughs> mm-hmm, 2004. Oh, my goodness. Yep. Wow. I was in marching band, and we were marching at the St. Patrick's Day Parade in Savannah, Georgia. Okay. Huge parade. And um, a friend found out I'd never had a bagel, and it stopped everything immediately. And was like, we're going. <laughs> Like in the middle of the parade? <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, in the build-up to the parade. Okay. It was the morning of. Uh-huh. And um, we weren't supposed to leave. This is how one of the reasons I remember is the trouble we got in later. But um, <laughs> she found me a bagel, and she went through the whole process, and she told me her rules. Like, you've got to do this and this, and then you do this. And I just remember her so intensely watching me as I took the first bite oh. to see to see your opinion of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. How did you feel about it? It was good. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it was good. It, I thought it was a little, it was like a lot, you know? They're very thick. Yeah, um, yeah. It's a big bite. Yes. And the, be- the best bagel I've ever had, I had this year, and it was in New York. There you go. It was delicious. Oh, absolutely. It opened my, my mind to a whole world of bagels that I have not previously experienced. 
I mean, they're they're bread products. They're basically all pretty. I mean, they're delicious. Yes. Yes. And um, speaking of the, the chewiness of them, one of my favorite quotes I read in researching this episode came from former New York Times cr- restaurant critic Mimi Sheraton. You used to be able to g- eat a bagel that would give your facial muscles a workout. Yeah. Yeah. When I read, yeah, I, I saw that in the notes and I was like, yes, exactly. That's <laughs> what you want in a bagel. That's necessary. Okay. Anyway, um, today we're talking primarily about the New York style bagel that is pervasive now in the United States as a breakfast brunch food. Right. Mm-hmm. And bagels, what are they? Yes, what are they? They're a type of bread product, traditionally mm-hmm. made of a rope of white flour yeast-raised dough formed into a ring, leaving a hole in the middle, and then parboiled in water and finished by baking in an oven. This creates a crisp and chewy crust and a springy interior. Ah. And you can make them plain. Or flavor them with any number of coatings before or after baking. Uh, savory ones are more traditional, coarse salt, poppy seeds, sesame seeds, caraway seeds, dried bits of onion or garlic, or all of the above. Um, it's not unheard of to use pumpernickel or rye dough. And in these are modern carb-counting times, whole wheat dough. Yep. Uh, you can also melt cheese onto the top during baking, baking, not bacon, <laughs> uh, or, or bacon if you want to put that in there, sure. Mm. Uh, or make kind of sweet-ish varieties of bagel by adding more sugar to the dough and incorporating cinnamon and raisins, for example, or maybe blueberries. This is contentious. Yeah. uh, I believe you. I don't know much about (laughs) about why, but uh, I know that around here I've gathered that bagels are very contentious. According to me, sweet bagels are not bagels. It's a different thing. It's, (laughs) It's like a donut knockoff. Yeah. Okay. It can also be nice. It's not a bagel. Okay. (laughs) Bagels are served sliced in half long ways. The halves are sometimes toasted. This is also contentious. Yes. This led to like a 20-minute argument. We, we can get into that a little bit more later. Um, bagels are served with toppings. Cream cheese is most common for both savory and sweet varieties. Cream cheese being a lightly tangy, spreadable, fresh cheese made sort of like yogurt is. It's a fattier version of a nufchatl, if you're more familiar with that, mm-hmm. which some Europeans may be. Uh, the cream cheese can be flavored with any number of things. Smoked fish, chives, scallions, onions, dill, or vegetable bouillon on the savory end. Uh, strawberries, cocoa, honey, pie spice, or citrus zest on the sweet end. This, too, is contentious. Yes. There is a common theme. <laughs> according according to me, you do not flavor your cream cheese. Oh, really? Yeah, that overwhelms mm. the bagel experience. Okay. Yeah, right. you want it to, like, complement. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, bagels might be served with uh, platters of toppings, like a thin sliced salt cured or perhaps smoked fish, capers, and sliced tomatoes and onion, so that individuals can kind of make their own sort of open-faced sandwiches to taste. Mm-hmm. You could also grill a halved bagel with butter, but that is just contentious as all heck, and I'm offended by the mention of it. I could tell by your body language you were not a fan. I like I like choked up about it. Yeah. Like I like my, my shoulders tensed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, you, you can you can use a bagel as the bread for any kind of sandwich, really. Uh, though due to the due to the uh, traditional bagel's thickness and chewiness, I'd say that this is sub suboptimal. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, softer baked only 
takes on bagels would work for this. And I've read that this is the main way they are used in some places like uh, New Zealand. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. The word bagel comes from the German word bagen, which means to bend, or maybe it doesn't. <laughs> and instead, maybe <laughs> it comes from the Yiddish word bagel, which itself comes bu- comes from bugle, which is a, comes from a German dialect word that translates to ring or bracelet. Or maybe it doesn't. <laughs> maybe the two words are just cousins. No one knows really where it came from. There's a lot of theories. Yeah. In tennis, I didn't know this, and I used to play tennis, a bagel is when you win a set 6-0, oh. and a triple bagel is when you win a match that way, 6-0, Ah. Yeah, so oh. that's a fun random fact. <laughs> it is. And also another fun random fact is in the bagel family tree, it seems that the pretzel is one of its ancestors. They're closely related okay. historically. I see. Yes, and if we're talking about health, if you're eating a straight-up supermarket bagel— It'll run you about 350 calories on average, Mm -hmm. 7 grams of sugar, and about 13 grams of protein, 2 grams of fat, and 70 grams of carbs. Now, that's before you add your butter or your cream cheese or both or your Nova or your Lux or your avocado, not to mention all the different varieties like cinnamon raisin, which is not a bagel according to Lauren, but, you know, (laughs) um, it's better than it's look like the donut. But it is not a health food. No. Bread is not. A health food. Right. Um, as more people have realized and become concerned about this, bakers have actually downsized their bagels from an average of five ounces to four ounces to help keep sales up. That's so interesting. Yeah. I mean, just that, like, people will, and I'm one of these people, you'll buy, you'll buy it if it's less. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, something is, it just gets overwhelming. And I think that that was a trend in the 90s in general. Like, things just got bigger and bigger. Right. And then... There's been a pushback. Yeah, like, maybe we don't need this. Let's scale back down. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, how bagels are made. The process of how they're made is is a lot of what goes into why it is a bagel or not. Okay. According to many people, not only me. <laughs> this isn't just Lauren yeah. <laughs> spewing her opinions. <laughs> Uh, the the batter. Uh, okay, so so um so so there's kind of two two processes that you can talk about when you're talking about bagels, and one is uh, fresh from a bakery, mm-hmm. um, and the other is from a from a manufactured plant. Sure. Okay. Um, fresh from a bakery. Uh, the or actually for both. Uh, the, the batter for bagels is going to be thicker than for most other breads. Very little liquid is used, and no eggs or anything like that. Right. Um, part of the flavor of bagels comes from lactic acid bacteria. Bacteria poop! <laughs> Yay, bacteria poop. Uh, bagels are a yeast-risen bread, so you're going to have a certain amount of flavor compounds added from the fermentation action of the yeast, uh-huh. first of all. Yeast are not bacteria. I'm just kind of adding this in here with the flavor <laughs> category. Yeah. Uh, the, the yeast are uh, eating sugars and excreting carbon, di- carbon dioxide bubbles and uh, alcohols, which make the bread rise and give it some flavor. But bagel dough is usually also proofed. That means that it's placed to rise in a cool area like the fridge, and that significantly slows down the action of the yeast and thus slows down the rising process. During that extra time, lactic acid bacteria have the chance to grow in the dough, eating sugars and excreting acetic and lactic acids, which give bagels just a wee bit of like a sourdough-esque tang to them. Mm. The boil-then-bake process of making fresh bagels is key to the bread's texture. When you drop a ring of dough into boiling water, the the heat and moisture uh, gelatinize the gluten molecules on the surface. 
it's kind of trapping a little bit of water uh, and, and changing the, uh, the chemical structure, creating this thick, chewy, glazed-looking outer crust. And that crust is strong enough to retain its shape when the bagels are taken out and baked. They, they won't puff out any further in the oven, so it keeps them nice and dense. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, the traditional sweetener in bagels is malt syrup, not sugar. Uh, adding malt syrup to the dough and, and to, the, to the boil water helps with both the, the flavor and the crust on your bagel. Uh, malt is made from sprouted barley that's been dried and crushed and mashed with water to release some of its carbs. And then you uh, b- boil those liquids down into a, a dark, sticky, sort of bready or beery flavored syrup, uh-huh. malt syrup. If you've ever had malt and milkshake or malt balls, that's what's going on there. Um, and uh, this, this malt syrup provides food for the microorganisms in the dough and also caramelizes in that outer crust to provide a little bit of extra color. Oh. Yeah. Um, the hole in the center of the bagel is practical. Oh, is it? Yeah. It means that the uh, dough has more surface area for the hot water and then later the hot oh. air to, uh, to to contact and thus ensures that all of the dough will cook through relatively quickly. Oh. Because of the use of 14% gluten wheat and very little water, like Lauren mentioned earlier, our other liquid, the dough is quite stiff and the final product goes stale very fast. A bagel made in this traditional way will be stale within five hours. And that is why the quote-unquote best or certainly the freshest bagels are made on site. For distribution further than, like, around town, Mm -hmm. uh, bakeries freeze fresh bagels to be thawed and probably toasted in shops or at home. And that right there is why some people do have a very strong concept against toasting because it's sort of like in a sushi shop, like a good sushi chef will have already seasoned right. the fish before he puts it down or she, I'm sorry, puts it puts it down in front of you. Uh-huh. And, uh, and so it's kind of insulting if you ask for extra seasonings or dip it in soy sauce. Yeah. It's meant to be eaten as it was placed because that's because it's already fresh and it's already full of all of the flavors. And it's sort of like that's sort of like the like people's thing against toasting bagels. It's sort of an insult. It's sort of saying that your bagel isn't fresh enough. Okay, right. This uh, this is uh, what led to quite the bagel debate in our office. Is um, one of our coworkers, Ramsey, has a very strong opinion about toasting. He believes you want it toasted. And there's a new bagel place in Atlanta that didn't have a. They don't have a toaster oven. Yeah, on site. They don't have it. He couldn't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> he'll still bring it up. I guarantee it. Like later, he'll find out <laughs> we, we did this, and he'll say, "Oh, this place in Atlanta, you can't toast your bagel." He's very um, offended, uh, uh, outraged. I <laughs> I do I do prefer mine toasted, but uh, I did have one. I think the best the one I mentioned earlier that was my best one I've ever had in New York was not toasted. But generally, I do prefer yeah toasted. I, it, it adds an extra little bit of caramelization on and like the center. On, right. the, on the doughy center of the bagel, and that's going to be, I don't know. It's, I'm, okay. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, by the way, um, if you've ever heard a New Yorker say that the best bagels come from New York because of the water in uh-huh. New York, there's a little bit of truth to it. Uh, water's mineral contents will affect the glutens uh, in uh-huh. dough. Um, hard water makes dough kind of tough, and soft water makes it sort of goopy. So... And New York, New York City water is like medium soft, so it does contribute to the texture of the finished bagel. I have a random aside related to this. Oh, yeah? I went to the fanciest restaurant I've ever been to in my life, 
and they hand me a menu. I'm looking at it and I'm trying to figure out what it is. And it had categories like soft, hard, medium, soft. It was water. Oh. They were different types of water. Oh. From different places. My goodness. It was a very fancy restaurant. That. I was, it took me an embarrassing amount of time to figure (laughs) out what it was. And they came over and they were like, which shall you have? And I said, oh, I'll just take whatever's in the sink because <laughs> I'm very classy. <laughs> oh, that's that's uh, fancy is certainly one word for it. It is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about manufactured bagels. Oh, uh, yeah. OK, so manufactured bagels are not boiled, then baked, but instead only baked and might be sprayed with water or, like, baked in a steam-injected oven in order to create some gelatinization of those surface glutens. Not as many as you're going to get from boiling. Um, Manufacturers may also skip the cold proofing process to save time. And, of course, there are going to be some preservatives added to keep the bagels fresher for longer, which is going to affect your your texture, creating a sort of softer sponge to the bread instead of the kind of hard chew. Uh Uh-huh. Nowadays, you can also get bagel chips, bagel crisp, and flat bagels called flagels. That's, I'm horrified. (laughs) Bagel bagel chips are are totally a normal, like, deli, like you're using old bagels, you slice them up and toast them and sell them as bagel chips. That's, that's fine. (laughs) I don't have, I don't want the word flagels to exist in my universe. I'll, I'll keep that in mind. Okay, thank you. Yes. If we look at bagel numbers, <laughs> as of 2012, fresh non-frozen bagel sales in the U.S. came out to 626.9 million. And that's without including Walmart. I found a figure that hypothetically includes Walmart for that year, uh, $815 million. Uh, and, and yeah, I, I think that that's just shelf-stable yeah. bagels, right? Uh, refrigerated bagel sales were $125 million that year, and frozen bagel sales somewhat lower than that. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that's all in stores, not in bakeries, which is a little bit harder to estimate. During the bagel's heyday in 1996, though, bagel shops and bakeries did over $1.1 billion in sales. Wow. I assume of stuff other than bagels, you know, coffees in there, stuff like that. But oh, sure. At any rate. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big business. It is. And you can find bagels all over the world. In the U.S., the cities with the highest prepackaged bagel consumption <laughs> are Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, Baltimore, slash D.C., and Philadelphia. Over 245 million bagels were sold in the U.S. in 2017, which comes out to an average of 11 a person per year. Wow. Yeah. Oh. I guess for me that's a huge number because I probably never eat bagels. <laughs> I probably eat one per three years. I'd, I'd say that I'd say that 11 a year might be around average for me. Okay. I, I go through phases sometimes. It's a serious treat for me. Like, like yeah. On, yeah. I definitely want one now. Now oh, that we've done this episode. There's a place in Atlanta called the General Muir and I've actually never had a bagel from there. Me neither. But they're known oh, for their trip. bagels. I know. Okay. okay. All right. All right. That's done. <laughs> About 61% of households in the United States consume bagels. Mattoon, Illinois, has an annual bagel fest with, of course, a Miss Bagel Fest. <laughs> I only hope the crown is like a bagel. Oh. Bagel-shaped thing. I, I need, to, so. need to look up pictures now. Mm-hmm. Uh, bagel expert Maria Bolinska, author of The Bagel, The Surprising History of a Modest Bread, wrote of the bagel's shape, the whole itself has intimations of eternity 
in the way it goes from being a finite space in the middle of the dough to an infinite space once you have finished eating the bagel. Heady stuff. She's right. Heady indeed. Very heady. <laughs> that was some deep bagel truth. Yeah. I feel, I feel like I need to go meditate on it. <laughs> With a bagel. Yes. But first, <laughs> a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. I'm sure this will come as a real shock to you, but we're not 100% certain where the bagel comes from. Weird. Strange. So, I know. I know. No one, no one wrote it down the first time that it was invented. So surprising. What kind of people are these? <laughs> the, popular, <laughs> the popular legend puts the invention of the bagel in 1683 Poland 
and it was made in honor of Polish king Jan Sobieski, who fought back the invading Turks. Successfully, yes. Yes. The shape was supposed to invoke the stirrup. I, I guess I can see it, because the dude loved riding horses. But this story most likely isn't true, because bagels, um, they show up in the historical record Way before then. Yeah, like way, way before then. And if we widen our focus a bit to include ring-shaped breads, Italy and China had their own versions long before this. Some historians think boiled ring breads go back to ancient Rome. An ancient Egyptian hieroglyph depicting a roll with a hole, (laughs) like a bread roll, um, might also reference an early iteration of bagels, but these weren't boiled. So, you know. Yeah. But yeah, no, cultures all, all over the the one Italy and China as you said and um other folks in Greece and Finland have yeah, have had boiled then baked ring-shaped breads for a very long time. Right. In Poland specifically, the earliest mention of a bagel-esque type bread dates all the way back to 1394, which is around the time the first Jewish community was established there, possibly with immigrants from South Germany. And this reference was to the Ovashenek, which has a larger hole and is made of braided dough, and which still exists and has even been awarded a protected geographical indication status. A PGI. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have no idea for that. <laughs> no, that, no, that's, yeah, that's what they call it. Yes. Yeah, so it's sort of like champagne. Oh, cool. Yeah. They, the bagel got another mention in 1610 in Krakow, Poland. This 1610 mention, it was a written mention, and it called for giving a bagel to midwives and any woman in childbirth. And, uh... I mean, you need a snack. <laughs> it does take a lot of strength. <laughs> I, I doesn't specify, I don't know, during childbirth or maybe before or after. It's apparently a very popular gift. Apparently, um, due to their shape, bagels were believed to represent eternity, long life, good luck, and even for a while, protection against the evil eye. And because of this, they might also have been served or given as gifts at circumcisions and funerals. And uh, there's there's kind of a uh, almost almost myth, and not quite myth. There's 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 a story about how uh, about about why bagels were boiled instead of just being baked. Right. Before the late 13th century and the golden liberty period of Polish history, Jewish people were not allowed to bake bread and legally prevented from selling it. This seems to come from the idea that Jewish people shouldn't be allowed to have bread due to the connection to Jesus and the sacrament. Um, In 1264, a Polish prince wrote, Jews may freely buy and sell and touch bread like Christians. Uh, There was some pushback and insinuation that um, Jewish people might try to poison Christians. Some posit that this might be why Jewish people boiled bagels, that it was some rule somewhere. Yeah, that they could skirt the the non-baking rule by boiling first. Yeah. Sure. Bagels were a good travel food. You could string them into a necklace and sell them as you traveled along a trade route. If it had become stale, you would dunk it into a hot liquid to soften it up. Like tea. Uh Uh-huh. In the 17th century, bagels could be on the pricey side, but as wheat grew cheaper, so did bagels. Poor peddlers would sell them on street corners for pennies, and the bagel shifted to mean people who were struggling. It was associated with poverty. With poor people, yeah. Right. 
As Jewish immigrants and refugees, over 2 million from 1882 to the outbreak of World War I brought bagels with them through Ellis Island in the late 19th century. They started to set up bakeries, particularly in New York, particularly in the lower east side of New York. Mm-hmm. And there would be like small pockets of these bagel bakeries. Um, and a lot of them had two or three bakers working out of a cellar that did a majority of their sales on Sundays. Americans unfamiliar with the bagel labeled it the cement donut. Also sometimes called the Brooklyn jawbreaker. (laughs) So bakers adjusted, making them softer, thus more easily sliced, thus more easily topped with stuff. There were 70 of these types of bakeries in this area by 1900. At the same time, some Jewish immigrants opted to settle in Canada rather than the U.S., And this eventually led to the Montreal bagel. Which I didn't know is a thing that exists. I didn't either. Uh, It's a thinner and sweeter than the New York style bagel uh, type of bagel. And uh, they add eggs and malt in the dough. And that's what gives it the the sweetness. Yeah. Yeah, we could probably do a whole episode on that. Ah. For the first half of the century back in New York City, only members of the bagel union, Bagel Bakers Local 338, could produce bagels. Bagel union. Bagel union. Ooh. It was apparently a very serious thing. Like I'm it was sure. there, there was like like a little bit of like mafioso kind of kind of like yeah, like if you if you tried to bake a bagel oh my goodness. without being part of the union, like you would get your kneecaps broken. <gasps> oh yeah. My word. <laughs> All right. Well in nineteen thirties New York, eggs Benedict was very popular, and this was a non-kosher breakfast item because of the ham or bacon it typically came with. And this is where the lox came in, lox being salted fish. For the hollandaise sauce component of an Eggs Benedict, Jewish bakers offer cream cheese. And it's time for a lox aside. A lox aside. Lox aside. Lox is the term for salt-cured or brined salmon belly. Though these days a lot of people use it kind of loosely to refer to any kind of preserved salmon. More properly, salmon that has been lightly salt-cured and then cold-smoked is called nova. Both have about the same, like, delicate, melty texture, but lox is much saltier. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, Gravlax, meanwhile, is cured but not smoked, like lox, but the curing also involves a bunch of uh, spices. Salmon that's been hot-smoked, meanwhile, is called kippered salmon and has a flaky texture, more like cooked salmon. Uh, large delis often offer uh, multiple types of preserved fish, including trout, mackerel, sable, and sturgeon in either the lox or the nova tradition. Oh, I'm very glad for this lox aside because I've never known the difference between any of those things. Yeah, if you, if you go into like a traditional bakery and you order lox, you might be kind of surprised by how salty it is. Good to know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nova's generally what most m- most of us are looking for. It's kind of an, lox is sort of an acquired taste. Okay. Hmm. During the Second World War, a lot of the Jewish bagel bakers, which was most of them in Poland and throughout Europe, were killed. And Along with everyone else. They weren't, they yeah, weren't, it wasn't they weren't, they weren't targeted, but yeah. Sure. Sure. Um, after World War II, with Jewish immigrants settling in the U.S. and um, a sort of public open arms acceptance of parts of Jewish culture, this bagels became part of that. Yeah. And there was even a Broadway play in 1951 called Bagels and Yaks, <laughs> where they apparently gave out bagels and cream cheese during their intermission. <sighs> 
I've never been to a play like that. Cannot believe that this is the first time I've ever heard of that. I know. At the same time, in Poland, small Jewish bakeries selling bagels were starting to open after the devastation of the Holocaust, with Krakow once again at the center. And bagels are are eaten a little bit differently over there. I've read that herring uh, has been a common topping, and instead of cream cheese, they might be spread with or are dipped in goose fat traditionally. Yeah. Sounds Mm. good. So it's about time for us to talk about... uh, you know, the modernization of the bagel. Yeah. But first, one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes. So it took until the 1970s for bagels to gain attention on the national stage. (laughs) And it was in thanks part to two things. 
the increased popularity of, quote, ethnic foods and the newly available frozen bagels from a family called the Lenders. You probably recognize that. Lenders bagels. Yes. And Mm -hmm. this was a father and son, son's son duo team. It changed over time. Oh, okay. There was a lot of moving of family members. Of sons. Yeah. Excellent. (laughs) They marketed their product as the Jewish English muffin. (laughs) There is a lot going on there. (laughs) Lenders had been around since 1927 selling bagels, and by 1955, these bagels were available in local grocery stores in the region. They included in their offerings the first, I believe the first, widely marketed cinnamon raisin bagel. Oh. The Lenders was the pioneer behind the first bagel-making machine in 1962. It had been invented by one Daniel Thompson in the late 1950s, and Lenders leased the first one. It took production of bagels from 120 per hour to 400. Wow. And removed the need for skilled labor. Um, it, it, it basically collapsed the aforementioned bagel union. Oh, man. Rough times. Yeah. But it was the foray into frozen bagels that allowed them to expand their market and increase their customer base so much so that in 1984, Kraft Foods, yep, that one, brought them up. They didn't brought them up. They bought them up. And they, uh, they saw it as a great opportunity to market Kraft brand Philadelphia cream cheese. Oh, yeah. yeah. And they spared no fanfare either. It was called the Wedding of the Century. And the bride was a tub of cream cheese named Phil (laughs) and the groom an eight-foot bagel named Lynn. I'm not making this up. This was a thing. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Yep. And uh, the lenders are pretty creative marketers. They made Johnny Carson a bagel (sighs) necklace that I guess looked like him. I tried to find a picture and I couldn't. And they offered it up to him. Um, And they also realized, I didn't think about this, but oh my goodness. Um, After customers complained of slicing open their hands, trying to have a frozen bagel, that the bagel should come pre-sliced. Important safety tip. If you buy fresh bagels that are unsliced and you have leftovers, definitely slice them and then freeze them. Yes. You heard it here first. Mm -hmm. Or maybe not. (laughs) But as bagels spread to the mass market, a lot of them did grow sweeter and softer because America. Bagels were such the rage in the 1970s that a Bloomingdale's in New York was at one point selling shellacked bagels as jewelry. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) How very fashionable. (laughs) Sometime maybe around the 1970s, we get the everything bagel. The first time it appears in print was in 1988, courtesy of a New York Times write-up about a bagel business called the Bagel Baron, started by a USSR immigrant. FYI, you can't patent the everything bagel, mostly because what is everything really? (laughs) That seems to be like the legal argument boiled down. (laughs) You can patent a particular product or process what it is to you, what is everything to you, Um, but you can't... Yeah. (laughs) There is no, like, when you order an everything bagel, it could be different. It could be anything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The Bagel Baron version had salt, poppy, and sesame seeds, garlic, and onion. It uh, probably came about as a practical solution to the problem of, uh, throughout the day, various bits of toppings kind of getting mixed in with each other as you work, Mm -hmm. and those are impossible to separate back out. Right. Uh, So... 
it, the mix would just get thrown out at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Wasteful. Yeah. Solution. Toss it on a bagel. <laughs> Call it an everything bagel. I feel like that's a skit. <laughs> like that's an SNL skit or something. <laughs> Got this thing you want to get rid of? Toss it on a bagel. Toss it on a bagel. <laughs> it practically writes itself. <laughs> In the 80s, big business baker Sarah Lee entered the frozen bagel market. Uh, bagels were becoming an increasingly national food. The, the number of bagels sold per day rose from 6 million to 8 million in just two years in oh. the 1980s. But four in five Americans still hadn't tried one. Huh. The wedding, the aforementioned wedding, was a financial success to the tune of $1.6 billion in sales by 1995. In 1993, that number was $429 million. So that's a pretty substantial growth. That's another example of kind of this explosion of bagels. <laughs> <laughs> However, they did, Phil and Lynn did get a divorce. Oh, no. Yeah. I don't know if that really works. But uh, when Kellogg purchased Linder's bagels in 1996. And really, 1996 should have been the year of the bagel because Dunkin' Donuts invested millions to add bagels to their menu that year as well. And 1996 was also the year that Thomas's English muffin brand got in on selling bagels. Kind of bringing us back to the Jewish English muffin thing. That's right. It comes full circle or full bagel. (laughs) Full bagel. It comes full bagel. (laughs) In 2003, current owner Pinnacle Foods purchased Linder's. Uh, A year earlier from the year of the bagel in 1995, the company behind Boston Chicken formed the Einstein Bros. I always say bros. Einstein Brothers. Brothers. Einstein Brothers, I think, yes. (laughs) I like Einstein Bros. Um, (laughs) After purchasing four bagel chains. Later in 1996, they added Berkeley-based chain Noah's Bagels and became Einstein and Noah Bagel Corporation. Now Einstein and Noah Corps Corporation. (laughs) I added the core in there. I don't know why. We have one of these. We had one at Georgia Tech, and it was, uh, the line was always so long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, when New York-style purveyors decided to try their luck in Montreal, home of the Montreal bagel, the Montreal Gazette wrote they had entered, quote, the lion's den. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> That's some serious business. For another fun country rivalry quote, a critic from Britain wrote of the New York-style bagel as compared to its European predecessor, America changes bagel to bagel, the spelling changed, doubles the size, reinvents it, muscling up the slim Euro bagel and flavoring it to a wild diversity for the ceaselessly unsatisfied Yankee palate. In New York, the bagel has become the musical. It's all and ass. Those are some strong feelings. Oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. According to a New York Times article from 1999, the bagel was more popular than the donut that year, with three-fourths of a billion in bagel sales compared to half a billion in donut sales. That surprised me. Yeah. Also in the 90s, the New York-style bagel or breakfast made sort of a reverse trip back to to Poland. Yeah, um, it was so popular that it kind of went back over. And this whole bagel boom compares to the rise and crash of the cupcake in the 2000s. American bagel consumption doubled from 1995 through 1999. But meanwhile, all those national bagel shop chains had oversaturated the market and their stocks would drop over 80% from 1997 to 1998. Uh, the market has evened out since then, mm-hmm. but 
I'm sure that in your own hometown, you could have uh, observed yeah. those very factors. Yeah. I'll have to think on that later. Mm-hmm. In 2008, astronaut Gregory Chamatoff became the first person to take a bagel into space. Into space, 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 space bagel. <laughs> You're welcome, listeners. <laughs> oh, um, and there are now rainbow bagels in New York City. What? I, I looked at pictures. They're they're very rainbow. They're very oh, uh, bright. Very bright. Vibrant. Um, yeah, neon rainbow. Oh, and uh, people will wait as long as three hours for them, and I cannot judge on this point. No, because uh, I have waited. I have waited before. <laughs> For a very long time for a certain food, so. Yeah. They're do, very pretty. Oh, I believe you. Sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, do do what makes you happy. Oh, yeah. All these people want to interview the owners of this shop now, right? Oh, and uh-huh. they weren't expecting. Anyone to care, particularly? Yeah, they yeah. thought. I think they thought it was just going to be a one-time, we'll make these oh, oh, no. rainbow bagels. And now they're having to find ways to get around the huge demand. <laughs> for these bagels and it's also I believe the shop is in Williamsburg and I had a I had a very good time reading about um the attitude in Williamsburg. Oh. Uh, it was it was a good read. Um yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should post it somewhere. I enjoyed it. Well, we'll try we'll try to link that out on social media. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is the end of our our bagel episode with lots of contention and <laughs> strong opinions. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't it, at, at the end, at the end of the day, really, like, like do do what makes you happy. Like, oh, sure. If, if you enjoy, if you enjoy eating whatever type of bagel, however you enjoy eating it, go go for it. Yeah, go forth and bagel. Go forth and bagel. <laughs> we should get a stitched thing that says that and hang it over our desk. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And that brings us to the end of this classic episode. We hope that you enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed doing it. I loved getting your strong opinions, as always, Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank yes. you. We do we do love a strong opinion. And yeah. uh, as as I as I said a couple of times, like 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 really enjoy what you enjoy. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think this is the one that we got a little bit of hate mail about. <laughs> We, we, well, people had strong opinions that they also wanted to share. Uh, and that's cool. <laughs> it is. Always. Uh-huh. Always. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, oh, but speaking, one of those strong opinions that, that we talk about um, is the toaster issue. Yes. And so I wanted to give everyone an update. You may be happy to know that the aforementioned bagel place here in Atlanta that did not have a toaster when it first opened. They have since added a toaster. The, the, oh. the use of which in preparing your order is optional, but, you know, it's there. Wow. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's Emerald City for, for anyone who lives in the area. Huh. Yes, yes. I'm sure, like, there's some people that are very happy about that, and I'm sure others feel like they capitulate it. Um. You know... <laughs> You know, it, it's a it's it's a matter it's a matter of preference, and I yeah. I want again I want everyone to 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 enjoy what they're enjoying. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, that's all. And for we me, want here. <laughs> right? I mean, for me, that involves toasting the heck and bagel, but <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. 
It's okay. It's okay. Um, <laughs> well, uh, as always, listeners, we would love to hear from you. If you didn't send in your opinions last time, let's get them now. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yes, please. Uh, you can email us at hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at SaverPod. And we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico is home to a thriving culinary scene based on products and traditions from the native Taino, African, and Spanish peoples that have influenced it. When you go, there are a host of restaurants, bars, breweries, distilleries, farms, and coffee houses to dig into, from five-star experiences to local favorites. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.